God, thank you for uh, just being able to worship this morning. Thank you for Jesus and and uh, this time of year, and just help us to uh, remember Him and and uh, what He does and what He can do uh, each and every day, not just yesterday or in this season. Thank you for this gathering, dear Lord, and uh, I just pray that this morning that we'll just see you and hear you and and have our hearts and eyes open, dear Lord, and and lay anything down, dear Lord, that is uh, hindering us or help us just to cast our cares on you because you care for us. I thank you just for this privilege just to be able to share with people how much you love them and and, uh, that you are the only thing that satisfies uh, I just pray that um, you would get me out of the way, dear Lord, and and uh, just help me remember that uh, I'm just delivering the man. We love you. I ask it all in your name. Amen. All right, so Christmas was yesterday. I'm sure some of you are, are still getting over it and, and maybe haven't even thought about uh, that first of the year is coming right around the corner. I think Friday or Saturday is... New Year's, uh, and it seems like uh, we have this spiritual high, especially with Christmas Eve service and Christmas and Jesus' birthday and celebrating, and then we think, well, you know, I need to change something. I need to do something. Um, and I don't know if any of you have thought about it, but, you know, normally the first year everybody makes a resolution. Uh, and a resolution is just, you know, a decision to do something or not to do something. This year I ain't going to eat as much. This year I'm going to exercise more. This year I'm going to whatever. And it led me to a story that um, most of you know well. Uh, The most famous and quoted verse in the Bible comes out of it. And before you write me off and say, well, you know, I've, I've heard this before. I'm already saved. I know this. How often do we just blow past the conversation that happens before John 3.16? How many of you know John 3.16? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life, right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. Everybody, that's, anytime you get sa- anytime I, I heard anybody get saved, everybody points them to that verse. Make this your first memory verse. And you miss the conversation of what led up to that. And not to take away from that verse because it is what it is. But uh, there's a story before that. And that story helps remind me that before you go and try to change things about yourself, before you go and try to make a bunch of resolutions or add more seatbelts to your life, you got to know Jesus, and you got to be close to Him. Uh, Christmas Eve service was two nights ago, and uh, Bobby said, you know, the wise men, uh, the shepherds, they made a big deal about Jesus. And we should make a big deal about Jesus, not just on His birthday, but every day. And... uh, so the story in John chapter 3 is about Nicodemus, and uh, if you don't know much about Nicodemus, he is uh, a Pharisee who, the Pharisees were the uh, religious leaders during that time. Uh, they memorized, they had to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. 
uh, hard for me to memorize the sentence. They had the, the first five books of the Bible memorized. And probably the Old Testament, most of the Old Testament. So they knew the law and the traditions and the prophets better than anybody else. They were like, if you, if you had a question about the Old Testament, Nicodemus was probably the guy to ask. And it, it, we associate Pharisee with something bad most of the time. Like there, there are these uh, lawgivers, these uh, hall monitors almost. And uh, what I love about Nicodemus is his open-mindedness and uh, just the person that he was. He was probably wealthy. He was not only a Pharisee, but he was the leader of the teachers of the rabbis. He was like the uh, president of the rabbinical school uh, in that time. So he was, he was the guy. And uh, in that, Nicodemus is hearing about Jesus. He's probably heard of, of the stuff he's been doing and around town, and, and they're in Capernaum, I believe, at this time, and, and they just come from Jerusalem, and um, he wants to know more about them. So this is where this story starts. So starting in verse 1, he says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to a guy earlier this week, and he said, that's probably where they got Nick at night from. And uh, I know that's petty and funny, but uh, it helps me remember it. Uh, Nick came to visit Jesus at night, and there's a lot of uh, opinions about why Maybe because he was scared people would see him. Because Pharisees, you know, they dressed a certain way. They uh, stood out in a crowd. They weren't just a normal, regular person. Maybe it was because both of them had busy schedules. We don't know why, but, but he came at night and they had a conversation. Rabbi, Nicodemus said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Nicodemus has been hearing about him. Uh, John, uh, in the near the end of the book, John says, we don't know how many miracles happen between now and then. We know chronologically or, or in the Bible uh, that the water to wine miracle at the wedding happened. And then there's this conversation. But John says, if I wrote down all the miracles of Jesus, I would never stop writing pretty much. So we don't know what all has happened, but we just know that Nicodemus has heard about him and is starting to question some things. Verse 3 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, Nicodemus? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Uh, People normally make a joke about this, like uh, Nicodemus obviously didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And, you know, uh, some people say that Jesus was probably uh, grossed out or confused of, of, you know, Nicodemus, why would you say that? No, you can't physically go back into your mother's womb. Uh, 
I don't know how Nicodemus was, but I, you think, you know, it would be pretty hard to do that. Uh, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, which is also translated born from above, meaning that it only comes, what's above? What's up? God, Jesus. It, you can only be born from that, from above. Jesus replied after Nicodemus said, go back into his mother's womb and be born again. He's confused. Jesus replied again, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Water and spirit. That, uh, some people get confused with that. What's Jesus talking about? Before, when, uh, when you're about to have a baby, what happens? Water breaks. So is he talking about maybe a, a physical birth? But also spirit, meaning you have to have a spiritual birth too. You have to be born again spiritually. Uh, that's just one opinion of that. Verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He's given Nicodemus an illustration saying you can, you can only, humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He's trying to explain to Nicodemus that it's not <coughs> all the laws, it's not all the things you do that makes you in relationship with me. It is being born again. It's being born from above. It's being close to me. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus gives Nicodemus another illustration saying, <coughs> comparing to the Holy Spirit to wind. Uh, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, kind of like pneumonia. Uh, pneuma being wind, you know, pneumonia is a respiratory infection, and and onya, I don't know, know what that part means. Maybe it's onya. <laughs> you, you get it on you. I don't know, but pneuma is the Greek translation for wind. And uh, what's something you can't do with the wind? Right, you can't dictate where it goes or what it does. But being here at the beach. Uh, most of the time when you walk out there, you can feel the wind. Wind normally almost always blows here. And I, it's funny, we were uh, having this Thanksgiving prayer service right before Thanksgiving. And a woman, I don't remember her name, we were going around just saying the things we were thankful for this year. And she was thankful for being here, being able to, to have a place here and come here. Because she said when she walks out there on that beach, it's where she feels closest to God. And I started thinking about that, and, and I, I walked out there this morning, and I realized she probably feels close to God because when you go out there on the beach, there's nothing but water, and you feel the wind, and all the busyness of life and all the buildings and distractions and sounds are gone. And uh, I bet you that's why she feels closest to God because of the water and the wind. 
What Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus is you can't put reason with faith all the time. You can't control what goes on. You can't make up, you can't have 613 laws and then make laws to, to go around those laws to, to spiritually be born again. Nicodemus replies to Jesus when he gives this second illustration in verse 9. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asks. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. That's where we figure out that Nicodemus is the teacher of teachers. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe or won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? What Jesus is saying is, Nicodemus, I'm, I'm trying to explain it to you. I'm trying to give you these examples. And if you can't even understand this, then how could I possibly tell you about more, about spiritual things, about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has came down from heaven. Jesus was the only, Jesus came down. We just talked about it this Christmas Eve. Jesus came down in the most humble way, the most humiliating way. When you're a baby, you can't do anything. Jesus was born and came down for us. He gave us a way to go up. Uh, some people say uh, the cross is, is the bridge to heaven. At Christmas Eve service in Jesus' birth, um, you know, the, that whole account is, is, is a miracle. Um, and just the, the fact of everything that happened. And I, and I know in this season where you think about that and, and, and you feel a certain way and, and we come in here and, and you know, we, we worship and we make worship a priority and that's great, but in here is not the only place you worship. Uh, I sometimes dislike the fact that we associate worship with just singing. Uh, and we call it that, let's worship. And then we start singing and you associate that with your mind that that's just, that's all you do. Worship is your life. Worship can be your work. Worship can be anything you do that glorifies God. And it should be done in everything. You should think of your, your job or or whatever it is, as a way to worship God. Not just singing. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What I love about this is, if Jesus would have been talking to somebody else, this conversation probably wouldn't have been the same. But Jesus is personal with Nicodemus. And he gives him an Old Testament illustration trying to remind him and trying to tell him and, and reveal to him who he is and what he's here to do. And he's, when, when Jesus tells Nicodemus that, I think Nicodemus probably goes, uh, when, when Jesus is talking about Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness and the Son of Man will be lifted up, he's talking about Numbers 21. And uh, in Numbers is when uh, the people of Israel set out from Mount Or and uh, 
they have, you know, escaped Egypt and they've went through the Red Sea and they get the manna and here they are getting snake bitten and dying. Uh, how many of you have ever seen the, the Chosen? It's a, it's a TV show uh, about Jesus. If you haven't, I, I really recommend it. It's, it's a good show and it just, for me, it helps me uh, put something visual to what you're reading and studying. But uh, there's an episode, I believe it's episode seven, and the episode's called Invitations. He's given Nicodemus an invitation for a relationship with him, not just religion, but a relationship. And uh, at the very beginning of that episode, it is Moses and Aaron in a tent, and they're arguing. And we don't know if this is what really happens, but I love the way they portray it. Moses is in there beating out a bronze snake, and uh, Joshua comes in and uh, is all worried and kind of frazzled and and uh, he's like, Moses, there's people out here dying and you're in here wasting your time beating out a snake of bronze and, and we got a real problem. We need to take care of it. And he tells Joshua, it's not about reason, it's about faith. When Joshua's worried and, and trying to figure out something, trying to fix something, trying to do something. In Numbers 21.4 is that story. The people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey and they began to speak against God and Moses. (coughs) Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, which was, was not true because God gave them manna, right? God gave them quail. They're complaining. We hate this horrible manna. They even contradict themselves right after that. How many times has God prayed, how many times have you prayed for something and God gave it to you and then you complained about it? God, please just get me out of this job. Please get me in this new job. And I promise... And then you get that job and you complain about that one and want another one. Or you, you've prayed and prayed and prayed for children and you finally get children. You're like, God, thank you for giving me children, but not this one. <laughs> How many times have you made a promise to God, a resolution? I know uh, before I surrendered to Jesus fully, before I submitted and died to myself and really started spending time with Jesus and asking him questions like Nicodemus. I love, you know, Nicodemus is who he is. And people kind of paint him in a corner because of that. But I love that he is one of the most probably renowned, well-known people in his culture. And he is open-minded enough to want to go and ask Jesus questions. Don't ever close your mind off to Jesus. But how many times have you promised something? I remember, you know, most of the time before I surrendered fully, most of the time my conversation with Jesus was promises. God, I promise if you just get me out of this mess, if you just get me home, I promise I won't never do this again. I promise I won't never whatever. And you broke 
How many times have you made a resolution and not kept it? Part of the reason I think God pointed me to this story is we've been talking about a Bible reading plan this this coming year and and doing it as a gathering and, and being unified in Scripture and kind of being on the same page. And that sounds good. That sounds uh, biblical. It sounds religious. It sounds like something you need to do, right? But if you haven't asked God about it, if you don't spend time with Him, reading that Scripture every day, if you don't have the relationship with God, it's just going to become bondage. I'm not telling you not to do it, but what I'm telling you is before you make resolutions, before you make promises, before you decide to do something, spend time with Jesus and remember the reason why you're even doing it. Remember where Jesus came from and what He did and who He did it for and that He loves you. And if you ain't, if you, if your heart's not right, which a lot of times mine isn't, uh, and you're scared, I mean, you're scared to tell Jesus how you feel, truly. And He already knows, but you feel like maybe if you don't say it, He won't convict you of it as bad. Jesus wants a relationship with you because He's the only thing that satisfies. So Jesus, so the Lord sent poisonous snakes among people when many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away. So Moses prayed for the people and God told him what to do. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, look at me. Look to me. So the Son of Man will be lifted up just like the bronze snake. What Jesus is is trying to say to Nicodemus is, the thing that has cursed you, the thing that's poisoning you, the thing that is hindering you, the thing that is blocking you from me is your sin. And if you lift that up and give it to me, I'll take care of it. So Jesus, the Son of Man, was lifted up. He took on our sin. He became sin for us so that we might be able to have a relationship with Him and have eternal life. And he tells Nicodemus twice, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven, which is heavy. You don't like to think about that. There's consequences to your decision. There's a place other than heaven. The bronze serpent on the pole. How many of you have ever seen an ambulance? Or any kind of emergency medical? There's a snake on a pole. And I, I looked this up and I was disappointed because it says the rod or the staff of Asclepius, the god of healing, is what that means. But every time I look at it, I think about Moses and the bronze snake 
and the pole because of what? What did Jesus do? He healed them. So they can give it a name and call it the God of healing. But it's funny, uh, God's original intent is the best one. So every time you see an ambulance or anything medical, you, you'll normally see some kind of snake and some kind of pole. And uh, it just reminds me of, of what the faith Moses had and not putting reason to what he was doing, but just trusting in God. And what happened? God healed him. So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Verse 16. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. One and only. Uh, King James says begotten. Don't understand what that word means. You don't use that word every day, you know. My only begotten son. One and only. One and only. That Greek word is monogenous. The mono one gene same. Same gene. Him and God are one. His one and only son. So that everyone, not just some, but everybody who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Did Nicodemus accept Jesus as his Savior is, is the question. And uh, I like to think he did. It's just my opinion. I don't know for sure. But uh, there's a couple of things that point to that. In uh, John 7, Nicodemus, when uh, the Pharisees are kind of talking about Jesus and what he's doing and how it's blasphemous, uh, Nicodemus takes up for him. Why? Because I bet after they had this conversation, Jesus, Nicodemus kept asking questions and kept wondering, what's, what's he talking about? Even though I don't understand born again and then in John 19 38-42 says afterward Joseph of Arimathea who was also a member of the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin was like this uh, supreme court almost for the Jews so the Romans occupied the territory and they were in charge of the money and taxes and 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 they pretty much told the Jews, we don't want to take care of all, keeping up with all your laws and who's doing what. So y'all take care of that and we'll take care of this. So that was the Sanhedrin. And, and Nicodemus was part of that 70 people who uh, got to decide those things. And uh, it's funny, Joseph of Arimathea was also one of those people. So you got two people who more than likely didn't understand what Jesus was saying and that had put their whole life in religion and laws and waiting for the Messiah to come. And when He came, they didn't understand. But from this, it says, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, 
because he feared Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away, and with him came Nicodemus. The man had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Me and Kyle were talking about this earlier in the week, and he actually looked up what a pound of nard or ointment would cost, and um, I forget the amount, but if if you add up 75 pounds times whatever that number is, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars today. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment. Following Jewish burial customs, Jesus' body and spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So Nicodemus, at some point, decided, I think I know who this guy is. I think I know what he's about. And I'm willing to risk my life to make sure he has a proper burial. I'm willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to make sure it's done the right way. And it was on the Sabbath, so if you know anything about Jewish law, you ain't supposed to work on the Sabbath and you ain't supposed to touch a dead body. That's considered being defiled. And they went against all that and did this. What that says to me is no matter, there's never a bad time to have a relationship with Jesus. There's never a bad time to come to Jesus. Now is always the right time. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how much you know, what you know, it's who you know. You can't just add Jesus to your life. You have to die to yourself and surrender your life and lift it up. Say, God... I trust you. And it's not just a one-time thing. I I can assume most of the people in this room, not all of you, have been saved or have heard this before. But it's not just a one-time thing. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain means don't stop. It's not just a, I think people, you know, you want to put reason to it. You want to put reason to your faith. You want to be able to control it. You want to be able to put it in a box almost. You want to be able to have this fix. I hear sometimes, you know, there's people that get baptized seven, eight, nine, ten times. And nothing wrong with that. But I always ask myself, I wonder why they've done it so many times. Because they thought maybe that baptism will, will fix me. Maybe if, if I do this thing, it'll, it'll help me to be who I'm supposed to be. And what you've got to understand is it's Jesus. It's not you. It's not how many laws you can remember. It's not how many your perfect attendance at Sunday school. It's not how many times you come in here and worship? This is just a celebration. 
this is just us coming together and making much about Jesus, but it's not just today, it's every day. And something I have to be reminded of constantly is, is you have to do that every single day. You have to die to yourself. You have to be saved. In Romans 12.1, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-time thing. So, before you make resolutions, before you make promises you can't keep, remember whose you are and who you are and who God says you are. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come just to save us and and just to get us to heaven. He came to have a relationship with Him. So before we go into this new year, I challenge you to just ask Him. Tell Him where you're at. Tell Him how you feel. Tell Him what's going on. And he'll meet you. Might be at night. Let's pray. God, thank you for reminding me just that it's not about all the things we can do and uh, the things that make us right or, or things that make us look good or it's not about all the promises we make it's about the promise you made to us and and that you keep your promises and that you never stop working and thank you for jesus and and just loving us enough to call on us and invite us dear lord just to spend time with them and and help us remember that if we just spend time with you that that you'll work those things out that you'll take our heart of stone and make it flesh and and that we just want to be immersed by you dear lord and change us from the inside out dear lord help us not to compare and, and help us to lay down whatever it is that we have standing in between you and us and and have the faith that if we lift that up that you'll heal us dear lord you'll rescue us thank you for rescuing me i pray that that if anybody doesn't know that dear lord if anybody hasn't receive that dear lord that they will they'll just have that conversation with you i pray that during this song dear lord that that we'll just ask you we'll just think about what you want us to do help us to remember dear lord that you sent your one and only son and he came down from heaven to rescue us and thank you for rescuing me and just help us to to put that on our minds and hearts each and every day. And, and that going into this new year will be transformed, dear Lord, because you renew us and you strengthen us. Thank you for this gathering and, and thank you for this time. And we love you. Amen.